So glad to have you here this morning. My name is George Olmstead. I'm one of the pastors on staff here at Fellowship and have been given the opportunity to bring forth God's Word this morning, and I cannot wait to share with you what the Lord has placed upon my heart. We're excited, children and students, to have you with us this morning on this great family worship service. And so parents and grandparents, aunts and uncles, thanks for sitting with your children and, and being. we just hope that you're enjoying a time of worship with them. Well, if you want to turn in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 3, that's going to be our text this morning. And we're going to look at that in just a few moments, Proverbs chapter 3. But how many of you in this room, or maybe you're watching online, how many of you enjoy facing the unknown? Anybody just want to raise both hands there? No, absolutely not. As a matter of fact, I would guess most of us in this room uh, would rather know what is right around the corner. In our home, uh, Gabrielle and Thaddeus like to be the bearer of bad news when you turn around the corner. Uh, they like to jump out and scare you. And uh, so I don't really appreciate that much uh, in my own home, much less in life, right? We, we want to know what's going on. Unfortunately, though, there's times that we just don't know what lies ahead. As a matter of fact, if we were honest with one another this morning, we would admit that facing the unknown is not something we really look forward to. As a matter of fact, uh, for many, facing the unknown, it can be daunting. It can even become paralyzing. We can even go as far to say that the unknown can stop us from moving forward or taking the next step in situations and circumstances that we face. You may be in one of those situations right now. You just really don't know what to do. You're, you're, you're stuck or you're fearful or you just don't know if you can even move forward. It's our prayer that this morning, as we hear from the Word of God, that, that you are encouraged and challenged to say, no, God, I trust you. I can take that step even into the unknown. Well, several generations ago, during one of the most turbulent of desert wars in the Middle East, a spy, he was captured and sentenced to death by a general of the Persian army. And the general, a man of intelligence and a man of compassion, he had adopted a uh, strange and unusual custom in this case. As a matter of fact, he permitted the condemned person to make a choice. This prisoner could either face a firing squad or they could pass through the black door. Interesting options. As the moment of the execution drew near, the general ordered the spy to be brought before him for a short final interview with the purpose of knowing what would be his choice. Well, what shall it be, the firing squad or the black door? This was not an easy decision, and the prisoner hesitated, but soon made it known that he much preferred the firing squad to the unknown horrors that might await him behind the ominous and mysterious door. So not long thereafter, a volley of shots in the courtyard announced that the grim sentence had been fulfilled. The general, he stared at his boots, and he turned to his aide, and he said this, You see how it is with men. They will always prefer the known to the unknown. It is characteristic of people to be afraid of the undefined. Yet I gave him his choice. So the aide asked, what lies behind the black door? Freedom, replied the general, and I've only known a few brave enough to take it. You know, that might be an extreme illustration, but I believe it helps us drive this point home. The unknown, man, it can be daunting, it can be paralyzing, it can even cause us at times to make decisions based on what we see ahead of us, 
or what we feel within us. And it causes us sometimes to only focus on the negative that might lie ahead. But this morning, I want us to understand this, that that God desires for his people to know that we can make decisions concerning the unknown in this way, based on trust and confidence in him. Last week, Pastor Grant's sermon was entitled, Discovering the Fingerprints of God. And God's fingerprints, you know, they're there to be discovered. And it is up to us, as we learn, to, to have the eyes of faith, which will allow us to see them. As a matter of fact, if you want to be reminded, the, the points that he printed out of how do we discover the fingerprints of God? Be grateful for what you have been given. Man, great advice. Look to what you've been given from the Lord. He also said, believe that God's love never leaves you. How uh, just peaceful is that to know? Because there are times we find ourselves in situations that we may feel like we cannot be loved. But can I tell you, God's love never leaves us. But we also learn that we are to bloom where you are planted. What a great understanding that of the fingerprints of God, if God has guided you to a place, directed you to a path, that in that moment, he desires for you to bloom and to have fruit and to be successful where you are. You know, I've moved throughout the country many, many times, and I am so thankful that God has guided me and directed me, even when I felt like I was in a season that was not going to bear fruit, that he, in his providence, in his sovereignty, he allowed fruit to be born. It's so amazing to bloom where you've been planted. So our focus this morning is going to be this. How do you and I look through the eyes of faith to not only see the fingerprints of God, which is important, but to take the next step to do this, to trust those fingerprints, to acknowledge those fingerprints, and to understand that God has the perfect direction for us now here in the present, as well as we move into the future. And so look at the unknown from a different perspective. Stanley Jones, he writes it like this. He says, many live in dread of what is coming. Why should we? The unknown puts adventure into our lives. It gives us something to sharpen our souls on. Then he goes on to say, the unexpected around the corner gives a sense of anticipation and surprise. If we saw all the good things which are coming to us, we would sit down and degenerate. But if we saw all the evil things, we would be paralyzed. He goes on to conclude how merciful God is to lift the curtain on today, then slowly lift the curtain on tomorrow. Two different perspectives. The unknown filled with fear, and then the unknown filled with faith, with an exciting journey. And we can always say this, that when we can say this, it's not always exciting what we're going to walk into. We understand that but we can walk into it with trust and confidence. So you may be asking yourself, how is it even possible to have this outlook on the unknown? How can I be confident that the fingerprints of God, once discovered, are truly perfect for my life? Well, I love the fact that we get to turn to Scripture, and Scripture provides the exact answers to that question. So let's read together in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. It's on the screen, or you can look there in your Bible or on your phone. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make your paths straight. 
Man, Solomon's instruction here, so simple. If we just read that, does that, does that sound daunting? Does it sound um, just like something we can't do? Not at all. As a matter of fact, it seems pretty simple. Yet, in our humanity, what do we do? We kind of muddy things up. We kind of get in the way of ourselves. We get in the way of God at times, don't we? Our ways might be a little bit better. Our idea might be a little bit different. But it's important that we understand that when we face the unknown, we must become dependent on looking back to God's fingerprints on our lives in the past. Why? Because that is what will propel us and provide us confidence in moving forward. We don't want to be stuck. We don't want to be still. We want to be moving. We want to be allowing God to mold us and change us. And we want to be on His path for our lives. So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to look at four instructions that help us understand and help us glean wisdom from God's fingerprints upon our lives. So children, students, families, we want, to, we want to look at this together. I hope this is part of your table conversation throughout the week. First, we must do this. Trust the Lord with all our heart. So in facing the unknown, we must do what? We must trust we are instructed. So what's this trust right here? What is it mentioning? It's mentioning here is an, it's an absolute confidence in. It's a place of safe dwelling. We are placing our total confidence and safety in the Lord. Now, maybe it's been a while since you've had a newborn in your home. It's been about, oh man, close to four years now since we've had a newborn. Gabrielle turns five this month, so it's been close. And, but I remember with Gabrielle specifically and with the boys that one of the things they needed, that they loved, was to be swaddled. I don't know about you. Any dads out there that are the perfect swaddlers? I cannot put my hand up. I'd get that thing too tight, and Sarah would be like, whoa, whoa, you're <laughs> loosen that thing up a little bit. Or I'd get it too loose, and they'd be flailing all around, and they'd just be continue along in their temper tantrum, right? Or they're probably not having that as a baby. I don't know why I said that, but they're just going crazy, right? But I remember this. Once, I got, once we got them swaddled well, and you just took them and you held them in your arms, and for us anyways, the babies would calm down, and they'd go to sleep. Why? Because they felt protected. They felt safe. They were placing in their, in their little minds all that trust in that tightness and in that embrace. Folks, this is what we're talking about. This is the type of trust that we can have in the God of the universe. We are saying, God, we trust you to wrap us into safety to have our best intentions for your will to be done. And God, we desire that safety, we desire that protection, and we desire to be able to rest in you. And that's what he is doing. That's the trust that Solomon is speaking of here. We are trusting God as we abide and rest in him by discerning his goodness and his greatness and being protected and embraced and surrounded by his covenant love of compassion and favor. You know, this is a trust that's founded in, uh, in the one we are placing our trust in. What do we do? We believe the Lord is able to do what he is going to do based on what? Based on his character, 
based on his promise, based on his faithfulness, based on his word. And so Solomon is saying, listen, I'm giving you instructions. Trust the Lord with all your heart. This trust involves that complete surrender of the inner soul, both heart, both mind, everything that's within you. Listen, we're not trying God on for good measure. We're not saying, well, you know, nothing else works, so God, I'm going to give you a try, and if that doesn't work, then I'm going to move on. That's not the trust that we're talking about. We're talking about this complete surrender, as we heard in the video. I surrender all to you. That's the trust. We're saying, I will submit and follow you, Lord, without question. Now, of course, we're going to ask why at times. We're going to wonder what's happening. We're going to, we're going to be, uh, man, God, what are you doing? But it's more of a why of, of man, God, what, what's taking place? Not, God, do you know what you're doing? I think we can all attest to the fact that God knows exactly what he's doing. We want to trust the Lord with all our heart. And so when we speak of the unknown, we are talking about those many different circumstances of lives. Now listen, right now, there are some of you in this room or online, you're facing circumstances that I have yet to ever face. And I've faced circumstances that you have ever yet to face. But we know this, those circumstances, those situations, they're real. And the unknown that is involved in that can be paralyzing and can stop us from moving forward, not only in our faith, but in the situation or the circumstance. So we want to understand that we want to trust the Lord with all of our heart. As a matter of fact, that trust is the same trust that we see when we're justified, when we, when we repent and give our lives to Jesus Christ. We are placing our faith in total trust that he can save us, forgive us, redeem us. But it's also that same trust that's taking part in that sanctification process. The same God who's able to save is the same God who is able to mold and to, and to make us into the Christ follower that he desires for us to become. Man, I'm so excited that God not only saves us, but he continues to work on us and mold us so that we can be the follower that he wants us to be. Man, what an awesome God that we serve. And we must take the step to trust the Lord with all of our heart. So a question would kind of be this. Where is one able to begin to understand how or why we can trust the Lord with our whole heart? Well, that's a great question, and Solomon answers it with his second question. So as you can tell, we're just following along with the verse. Trust the Lord with all your heart, and then do what? Lean not... On your own understanding. And I think this one here is kind of where we get tripped up at times. I'll speak for myself. There are times that, man, I just, I just think I can do it in my own flesh and power. I really do. And every time, guess what? I'm reminded, quit leaning on your own understanding. Go to the Lord. Spend time with Him. Ask Him the question. Listen, when we trust God fully, we will not be able to lean on our own understanding. As a matter of fact, they're mutually exclusive. As we trust the Lord with our whole heart and lean not on our own understanding, we're living out the truth of Scripture. I love when Scripture backs Scripture up. It does it all the time, all throughout the Word of God. As a matter of fact, in 1 Corinthians one twenty-five, we see it state this, the foolishness of God is wiser than men. I love how blunt God's Word is. I'm not going to call you foolish this morning, but God might call me foolish. But he's saying this, my foolishness is better than 
any wisdom you'll ever gain. But the wisdom I desire for you to gain is the wisdom that I would love to put into you through my word. Now listen, I want us to understand, there's nothing wrong with pursuing academia, there's nothing wrong with, with learning and gaining um, knowledge and wisdom. Uh, we need that to, to find our way in, in the world, but can I promise you this, you will not gain any wisdom of the world that is any better for you than what we find in the Word of God, right? And so it's important that we lean not on our own understanding, that we understand even in God. His foolishness is wiser than men. But then Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 speaks to it as well. Here's what it says on the screen. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. He continues, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Man, another great reminder this morning. The wisdom we gain of the world is in no way comparable to the wisdom we gain from the Lord. His ways are higher. His ways are better. So what we want to look at this morning is this. Solomon opens up the chapter in verse 1. Larry read it for us this morning. And it said this, Do not forget my teaching and let your heart keep my commandments. So we're talking about not leaning not on our own understanding. We're saying, as Solomon is, he is speaking directly to the teaching of God's Word. Solomon had internalized the Word of God. This is what I love. Here's what he did. He took the Word of God, he hid it upon his heart, and he lived it out. That's what he's telling his son. This is what's important. Children in the room this morning, children and students, listen, parents when we are encouraging you to read God's Word, we're doing it with purpose. It's not that we don't think you have a million other things going on in your life. We know you do. But we want you to understand the importance of God's Word. That's where the truth of life comes from. That's where the wisdom of life comes from. This is what's going to help you make decisions as you get older. So children, we want you to understand, just as Solomon did for his son, that we need to be in the Word. But he also said this, keep my commandments. Keep my commandments. So children, here's another aspect for you. Do you ever just kind of get annoyed? Now children, it's just you and me. Do you ever just kind of get annoyed when your parents continuously ask you to obey? Do you ever just like, eh, I don't want to obey right now. Anybody like that? You don't have to raise your hand. But listen, children, students, I promise you this. Now, there are sometimes we do like to annoy you. I will say that, but that's not the main thing. The main thing is, is we want you to grow. We want you to, we want you to obey for one reason. Listen to it. Here's the reason why we're asking you to obey. First, God says to, enough, right? But the second thing is this. We want you to obey because it's teaching you how to worship God. When you obey, you're worshiping Him. So listen, even the times, children, that you're like, oh, I don't want to obey mom and dad, okay, but do it for the Lord, right? Now, George, you're making too much sense. Don't do that. I know, I know. I had to work through it too as a child and as a student. But listen, it's important, mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, aunt, uncle, that we just point our children to the Word of God. Listen, we can't force them to believe it, but we can give them every opportunity to fall in love with it, right? So that's what we want to do. When we 
think about not leaning on our own understanding. It's to the point that there are times we're going to face situations that our flesh is going to want to ask why. Right? And can I tell you, I think the Lord lets us go into the unknown without knowing why so that we will trust Him and that we will obey Him and that we can look back and see how God worked it out for His good. It doesn't make it easy. It doesn't make it easy. But can I tell you, our heart, my heart, God's heart, more importantly, is that we experience peace and joy in the midst of the unknown. And you can have that. So he says what? Trust the Lord with all my heart. Lean not onto your own understanding. But he also says this. In all your ways, acknowledge him. This is so good. In all of our ways, acknowledge him. To acknowledge God in all of our ways is to know him. It's to know him. It's to, it's to know him in a deeper way. Way. It's to spend time with Him. It's to be intimate with Him. It's to say, listen, God, I want to know as much about you as I possibly can. And so what is that going to take? That's going to take acknowledging that His ways are the best ways. It's going to take time acknowledging that we need to spend time getting to know Him. Ephesians 3.20 provides for us some insight to this when it states, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us. Again, I love scripture. It's so exciting. What's exciting about it? He knows way more than we do. Not only does he know more, but he says he knows so much more than what we can even think about. Going through the unknown situation, right? There are things that God may have in store that we could possibly never even fathom. And man, that should just let us know, God, you are the one who has it perfectly put together. And so I want to give us some practical application this morning on this acknowledging him. And it's going to be more of a reminder, but for children, students, maybe those who haven't been believers for very long, it would not only be a reminder, but it's going to be an encouragement and nourishment for your soul to know that you can know the Lord deeper. So here's what we need to do first. We need to acknowledge God in all your ways. And it takes place when you contemplate just how completely God has forgiven you. Let that sink in for a second. Contemplate how completely God has forgiven you. He didn't only forgive some of your sin. He forgave all of your sin. He didn't only love you halfway. He has loved you all the way. To the point of sending his son Jesus to the cross. Acknowledging God and the complete forgiveness that he's given to us should just give us a sigh of relief to go, God, you are who you say you are. As a matter of fact, God doesn't just forgive, but he forgets. He redeems. But not only do we contemplate just how completely God has forgiven us, but we need to acknowledge God in all of our ways. And we do this when we practice, when we read the word of God faithfully. 
I think sometimes we, we get real quick to go look at other sources or commentaries be, and things like this because we think, man, okay, I know a little bit of the Word. But here's what God says. Come to the Word. Come to the Word. Who is the one who allows us to understand the Word? The Spirit, right? And so we come and we spend time reading the Word of God. He impresses upon our heart the truths and principles of life. So again, children and students, we're not, we're not trying to, to, to force God's Word down your throat, but what we're trying to say is, listen, you want the answers, you want to know God and who He is and what He's done for you and what He's continuously going to do. Here's the thing. Take His Word, read it, and get to know all about it. Reading the Word of God, it does much for us. It's our guidebook to get to know God and to grow in His wisdom. There's always something new to discover in Scripture. Do you know, have you experienced that? Read the same verse over and over and over again, and, and, you, and you still feel like you're getting something new all the time. Love it and study it and memorize it. Get to know what God's character is all about. We also want to do this. We want to uh, acknowledge God in our ways for this. Acknowledging God in all your ways happens when you allow the Bible to transform you. Now, throughout Scripture, it talks about growth in our salvation, right? Once we know the Lord, we're to grow in that. We don't expect, children, listen, we don't expect you to stay five, six, seven, eight years old for the rest of your life, do we? No, do you want to stay five, six, seven, eight year old uh, children? No, you want to grow up, right? So got a kid shaking their head. No, of course not. And we don't want you to stay that young. We want you to continuously grow, and that's how God's made you. Listen, it's the same in our Christian walk. God doesn't want us to stay as babes who just stay on the milk. He wants us to get to the meat. He wants us to grow. He wants us to grow in the fruit of the Spirit. He wants us to grow in our sanctification. He wants us to grow in, in adding into our faith. I love it. God desires to transform you. And so I'd encourage you to allow God to do that from the inside out. Allow Him to grow you in humility. Allow Him to grow you to be a willing servant that acknowledges Him in every aspect of your life. Not just a few aspects, but also in the everydays. The everyday decisions. Acknowledge God in all of your ways. When we acknowledge God in all of our ways, here's what happens. We find ourselves able to grow deep in wisdom and in service and in obedience. But then we have this other opportunity of living out this acknowledging God in all our ways. And we practice it here, and it's why we make it a part of our, uh, our worship service. But it's this, acknowledging God in all your ways involves continuous prayer. Again, I told you, not a, not a lot new today, but some great reminders of how we acknowledge God. We do that through constant prayer. Pastor Grant said a couple weeks ago, listen, you don't, you don't have to always be in a three-hour state of prayer. Like, that may not fit. But simply, when somebody asks you to pray for them or the Holy Spirit uh, places upon your heart the need to, to lift someone up in prayer, it's simply acknowledging that and taking those situations to the Lord in prayer. Maybe it's five seconds. Maybe it's 30 seconds. Maybe it's a little bit longer. Then there are times of contemplative prayer where you, where you just take time. But we're to do this without ceasing, is what it says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. George, how can I do that? You, you can pray continuously by praying the words of Scripture. You can pray continuously by worshiping Him or, or thanking Him for His blessings or, or even for the trials. The trials are what we look back on and we see God's fingerprints all through them. 
And now he's led us to either overcome them or he's taught us something through it and he's grown us as a believer. Knowing God comes from spending time with him daily. In his word, in prayer, in obedient submission to being sanctified through the Spirit. Acknowledging God in all your ways is the key to spiritual growth and maturity. So we want to spend time there. We want to practice living out, acknowledging God in all of our ways. We see fourth that He will make your paths straight. He will make your paths straight. God has a plan for you. It's a perfect plan. And His fingerprints are going to be all about it. How many of you enjoy... uh, going up a mountain or you're going on a road and it, it just constantly twists and turns. How many of you would just enjoy that? I mean, it just brings pleasure to you. For, for people like me, it makes me very nauseous. And it just, man, it, and it, it's painful of a ride. I prefer the straight. Give me the straight road, man, and let's go. You know, many times I think along God's straight path for us, we kind of put some twists and turns maybe that didn't need to be there. But even when we do put those in there, guess what? God straightens us out. He straightens your path. Proverbs 16, 25 says, There is a way which seems right to man, but it's the end, but its end is the way of death. I want to encourage you this morning that although there will be bumps along the way, there will be lessons to be learned, but there's a beauty of being on the path of God's grace and what He set for you. So when we look back on how the fingerprints are in every aspect of our life. It does this. It provides for us a confidence to trust Him along the way. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 does this. It's helped me discover the fingerprints of God while being grateful for what I have been given, for believing in God's love, that it never leaves me, and that it blooms me where I'm planted. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 also does this. Looking back and seeing the fingerprints of God in turn allows me to do this, and it should allow you to do the same thing to expect the fingerprints of God to be upon our lives in the present and in the future. This is how and why we can be confident in taking steps into the unknown and not having to fear it, but instead finding joy within it. I want to close this morning with just a few simple fingerprints that God has placed upon my life that I'm able to look back on and glean wisdom from and to be thankful for. And I hope it's an encouragement to you to look back so that you can move forward. You know, I remember the first time I recognized God's fingerprints. Now, I didn't recognize it at the time, but I, I remember recognizing it now. And it was at two years old. My parents moved in across the street from uh, some folks. And come to find out, they were members of a church. And here's what they did. Those folks came over and knocked on the door. And they invited my parents to church. My parents went to church, they heard the gospel, they were saved. At two years old, the fingerprints of God began because our world changed, our home changed. And I was raised in a Christian home by loving parents who understood the importance, the importance of showing God to their family and to their children. You know, I never forget also there was uh, fingerprints that I can see looking back on Sarah and I's relationship you know, my mom uh, worked for her dad for about, uh, about 10 to 12 years. And Sarah and I didn't really know each other at the time. She's a little younger than I am, but uh, not, not too much. But, uh, but here's the thing. They, 
our families knew of one another. So when it came time for God to put Sarah and I together and we began to date and we decided to get married, our families were so familiar with one another. And it, it has just made our marriage and, and our families, like we, we spend time together, it's, been, it's just been really, really good. But here's the cool thing, I look back at the fingerprints. My mom served in a Christian office with a Christian boss who allowed her to live her Christian faith, who my mom knew that Sarah's father was raising her in a Christian home. I see the fingerprints of God of bringing us together, knowing that in marriage, it's very good that Sarah and I are able to trust God and have many fingerprints of him on our lives as it helps us in our marriage. You know, I look at some other ways that God has fingerprints in my life. When I was 21, here's what happened. I was in a serious relationship and uh, just gotten out of it and it was really just kind of kind of broken a little bit through that. And uh, I had just failed out of uh, the, the semester of college that I was taking. And uh, I was really just at a point in life where I really wasn't going anywhere. I'd put my hope and faith and dreams and some things instead of following the path of the Lord. And anyways, my parents looked at me and said, listen, you need to reset. And here's what you're going to do. And they didn't give me an option at 21. I don't know if that's allowed anymore, but it really worked for me. They said, listen, you're going to go live with your aunt and uncle in New York City. And you're going to go do that for about three months. And you can come back, of course, but uh, you need to go do that. Well, here's what happened. I went up there and I did reset. My aunt and uncle said, well, you can live here, but you've got to get a job. So I got a temporary job and I got to meet a lot of cool people. I got involved in a church up there. And it was in that summer that God called me to full-time vocational ministry. Coming off heartache, coming off not knowing where to go. And since that moment, honestly, I've had great vision for my life. I've been on the path that God's called me to do. The fingerprints of God, folks. The fingerprints of God. And then, here's some rapid fire ones. How about this? My first vocational ministry job was at my home church. Was hired as the children's pastor. Three months later, here's what happens. My pastor, who I've known all my life, he, he, he has a moral failure. Three months into ministry. God, is this really what you want for me? If this is what's going to be like, man, I don't know. And God's saying, no, 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 you're trusting me with all your heart, not him. Whew, what a great reminder. And you know what was cool? 11 years into that ministry, being able to see God's fingerprints again, looking back and working with youth and children, and then God all of a sudden saying, man, I want you to, I want you to take the next step of ministry, and I want, you to, I want you to pour into adults. And the pastor looking at me and saying, no, we need a youth pastor, not another adult pastor, so you either do that or you leave. Well, God, wait, wait, wait a second. God, you're, you're telling me something to do. And so, man, I took that step of faith, and Sarah and I, oh my goodness, moved to California. I know y'all choked. Why would you do that? Remember I said you don't get to ask why all the time? It's just kind of where you find yourself. But I didn't find myself. God placed us there. As a matter of fact, God only opened up that position. As we look back on the fingerprints, we get there. Here's what happens. Again, asking why? Eight to 12 weeks. I mean, sorry, six to eight weeks of living with uh, another family that we had no clue who they were because our moving truck got lost. I get a kidney stone in that time, just done. My wife looks at me and says, I'm driving back to Texas. You can come or not. <laughs> now, listen, I was wanting to go with her, but we had nothing to come back to in Texas either. So here's the thing. Here's what you do in times like that, right? You, you, you trust the Lord with all your heart. You lean not on your own understanding. And I will tell you this, we experienced some of the most beautiful years 
of ministry and life change in those six and a half years we were in California. Oh, there was a bunch of bumps. There were a bunch of, of, of things we caused not to go well. But God in his sovereignty and his providence, you know what he did? He gave me life-lasting relationships. Men that I still talk to today, families that we still have relationship with. Let's fast forward from California to Dayton, Texas. Two and a half years of ministry that honestly were, were very hard and very difficult, very hurtful, and saying, God, really? I thought this was where we were going to be. And he said, oh, no, no, I'm just teaching you some things. You're going to learn to trust me with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. You're going to acknowledge me in all your ways, and I'll make your path straight. And so here's what happened at the end. We wind up at Fellowship Bible Church. I'm going to tell you all something. I would have never thought in all of my years that I'd be in Waco, Texas. I never thought I'd be in a Bible church. I'll be honest with you. I was raised Baptist. But can I tell you this? When God's fingerprints are upon your life and you're willing to submit to him and trust and lean not on your own understanding and to acknowledge his ways and to follow him, he will make your path straight. I'm going to leave you with this question. It's on the screen. Will you acknowledge and trust that the fingerprints of God are the best evidence to guide you in moving forward and taking the next step of faith? Let's pray. God, we come before you and we're thankful that we could worship you this morning. We're thankful that we can look back on the fingerprints that you have placed upon our lives. We are thankful that we are able to continuously trust you with everything that we are. Lord, I pray for the person this morning who maybe hasn't accepted you as Savior, Lord, that in their heart they will simply repent, confess of their sin, and then call out to you to be Lord and Savior. For the believer this morning, I pray that we can practice Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 throughout all the days of our lives. We love you, Jesus.